Welcome back to season three of the Human Experience Podcast, hosted by me, Kiara Marie. I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and root cause protocol consultant. I'm here to share my human experience as well as have powerful conversations with the leaders in the health and wellness space. The Human Experience Podcast began because I truly believe our souls are here to experience a wide range of emotions, make mistakes, own our past traumas that led us to make them, and face our deepest fears in order to grow. The Human Experience is a conversation about self-development, conscious awareness, and normal human responses, and connecting emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health. The Human Experience promises to deliver authenticity and diversity. The Human Experience community is a group of humans doing the work so they can live their lives to their fullest potential and are here to break intergenerational family patterns so generations to come can too. At The Human Experience, we're diving deep. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, Josh and Deanna. Thanks so much for coming on the Human Experience podcast. Um, I am so excited for today's episode because I know you guys have so much good information to share. And just for anyone who's listening, be sure to take some notes because I know we're going to hit some good points here today. Um, but before we dive in, for anyone who doesn't know you guys, and I think I'm still getting to know you guys uh, very well, what is your, I mean, like, what's your background? Like, how did you guys land in this field? And how did you guys, like, what did your health journeys look like at first before you entered this you know, sphere of metabolism? It's polar opposite, you know, and- <laughs> I and, always say that, but I don't know if it's that polar well, opposite. Yeah, I mean, without taking up, you know, 30 minutes, I came from a household where most of our family was in the medical industry. Like I had aunts and uncles that were OT, occupational therapists, you know, a doctor, my mother was a nurse, my dad was an x-ray tech. I grew up in hospitals, you know, I was a little kid playing with syringes. My dad walked around Mass General Hospital with my dad, you know, with scrub, like, I remember growing up there and, you know, at the time, this is, you know, the eighties, my, it was like, you know, the whole low fat, no fat craze. And, you know, so we ate healthy at that, at that time, you know, we didn't really eat sugar cereals. I never really had Coke. We never went out to like Burger King. Um, so we ate quite healthy, you know, we always ate dinner together. My mother always about, you know, meals, we eat breakfast, we have snacks. So I grew up kind of in that, you know, era, not saying like nutrition was perfect. Cause you know, when I went to college, it was like pretty much pot and beer the whole time and cereal. But, you know, of course I tried to stay healthy and I got into bodybuilding and, you know, that's kind of like how I maybe got pushed into this arena arena. That was like chapter one of probably five or six chapters, you know? So, you know, I grew up, I would, I would say with probably, you know, some grounding and resiliency for sure. That's awesome. I don't really hear too much of that. Usually it's like, I grew up on a standard American diet and there's, <laughs> is that what you experienced, <laughs> I think that's what he means by polar opposites as far as the, the household, the lifestyle. And I think it's an important conversation because, you know, I think there's, you, you kind of provided us with some questions and, and what does it mean to be human? And I think that, that that's really where it begins, right? Is how do we shape into these um, physiologies that we're trying to fix and restore and recover and get healthy and whatnot. And I think that the background does matter, right? So but that, that's, that's the beautiful point here and that, that we try to stress because a lot of people wanna get better and they wanna get rid of their SIBO and, but they have to remind themselves and ask themselves this question, how did I get here? Yeah. Right? Because if you had like 
crazy trauma as a child, a tra traumatic birth, let's say, crazy trauma. You grew up with a standard American diet. You did tons of dieting, extreme exercising on the birth control. This goes on. You know, you don't, you know, you don't have a lot to work with. So it takes time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, again, coming back to my whole process and coming from a standard American diet and my father was an immigrant and my mother came from a big Catholic family and lots of children. So the whole scene, not heard kind of thing was a really big thing, you know, and um, I think that, you know, I came in with a preset nervous system that I didn't really know what to do with or how to work with. And that, you know, pretty presented itself with a lot of hormonal dysregulation, fatigue. Um, it was always really hard for me to move my body. It was hard for me mood wise. I was like a roller coaster all the time. And I was always told that it was very normal. Mm -hmm. all the women in our family are like this, you know, it's a, it's a genetic thing, <laughs> you know, there's generations of this and, and, you know, I kind of rolled with it, but then I moved away when I was 18, right out of high school, I moved to the Hawaiian islands where the climate was very different. Um, there's a very massive spiritual aspect to the islands and the energy there. And that allowed me to begin to experience myself in a different way. It wasn't perfect, but there was this whole new kind of curiosity that sparked. And when I came home, um, I was seeking that. I wanted to know more. And at the time, holistic health, that's, I knew I, I wanted the wholeness. I wanted this bigger picture. And it was herbs and massage. And that wasn't what I was looking for. <laughs> you know, this is 20 something years ago. Um, so that led me down kind of this path into where Josh and I came together at the Czech Institute, where it was more of a holistic based program where we started off more with the movement of the body, the anatomy, um, structural, uh, what is structural, you know, just understanding the structure, how the body moves, the interconnectedness there, and then the nutritional aspect where back in those days, we was talking a lot about organic food right? But also lifestyle. Where do we come from? How do we respond? Where are our nervous systems? And that kind of pulled a lot of pieces. And then it kind of just spiraled from there. We just kind of took this journey and have been on it ever since. And we both have a real passion for the wholeness of the body. And um, when we came into energy production, what are you snickering about? <laughs> when we came into energy production, it was like, whoa, now we're starting to connect some dots here, right? It's kind of like we come into this world as a single cell. We multiply into these trillions of cells that make up every tissue in our body, every organ in our body. And if we can hold our attention there, then we don't have to necessarily be fixing everything else. And as we began to apply it, Keep well, because I think it's important. It is, because it I, was, is. I was talking to somebody about this earlier. When we dropped into this work, there was like, I was pissed off for six months. I remember I was really angry for six months because I was like, I everything that. that we remember I used to tell you, oh, yeah. like everything that we've been taught has been such a level of misinformation. Like we've been completely. Well, I mean, the, the universe is only going to provide you what you're <laughs> ready for. Crazy. So I look at the chapters in my life. Like if we just oh. want to talk education, like going to college and then Paul check and then you know, everything else, including Ray P and then Morley and everyone else. It's like, it, it allowed me to understand this base so I could go here, here, here and keep moving evolution. upward, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, we didn't understand 
just the basics of what we got from Paul Check, which is probably the base, which a lot of people don't talk about, which is important, you know, and then going to the cell, it wouldn't have made sense if we just went to the cell, you know? So it's, it's all part of the evolution. It's like, yes, there's misinformation, but we took what we wanted and, and, and it helped us create that foundation to get us where we are today. Yeah, and yeah. it was life-changing. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, we're, we're here, we are. Now we just want to grow this. We just want to understand this more deeply. And yeah. here we are. Yeah. And this feels good where you guys are right now. I love where we're at right now. I love, I, you know, it's like, I honestly feel that, and I think a lot of people think they know what they're doing. And I don't say this with like, like in a derogatory, but they don't because, and I don't mean it in that way. I'll explain in a second. I would say it took us 15 years. We thought we knew our approach and our work. It took us like 15 years of doing it and working with people and understanding it and learning how to adapt it and work with all these different peoples, humans, so it's not protocolish, to all of a sudden one day, which is probably about three years ago, four years ago, we were just like, whoa, we completely understand our philosophy from foundation to tip of the spear. Um, the ins and outs and it was mind-blowing for us um, versus just saying you know we understand the pieces and not the connections and really working with people so it took a long time so I'm I love where we're at right now yeah yeah and it's going to take that that hands-on like you know practicals essentially when you work with clients you get these case studies and you, you begin to learn how everyone is so different but having that foundation that you guys have I'm sure it's just helping so many. Um, I do want to talk about the, our favorite powerhouse of the body, which is the thyroid. Um, I've learned so much from you guys um, on your Instagram and how it just, it, I just didn't, I didn't pay much attention to it really. Like I remember thinking I had hypothyroidism years and years ago. And then of course, like I went to see my PCP and everything was within normal limits, but my hair was falling out. I was cold all the time. I was gaining weight. <laughs> and, um, so I want to talk about that today. So I guess just to get started, what is the thyroid? What is its responsibility? What does it do for everyone who doesn't know? That's a big question. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously we go over the basics. I mean, people can kind of look that up. It's in your neck and it produces thyroid hormone and, you know, it gets simplicity, it gets converted in the liver and periphery. So you have T4 inactive that gets converted in the liver and the periphery to active thyroid hormone. And this is very simple, which gets used in our cell to produce energy, which is basically ATP, right? Mm -hmm. So we can keep that feedback loop going. And of course, there's many things we, our whole issue with the thyroid for, for since day one was there's a lot of people that are getting misdiagnosed um, because they're just looking at TSH alone, right? And remember that um, there's like adaptations, like during pregnancy, your TSH is naturally going to go up. You know, do you treat it? No, it's an adaptation to being pregnant. You know, when you're in a chronic stress, pituitary, you know, kind of issues in a sense, that's an indirect kind of illusion of a thyroid problem because it's going to drop TSH. But you don't have a thyroid issue. So if you're just testing TSH, your TSH is low, but your thyroid values are normal, that's a pituitary issue, it's a stress issue. It's not a thyroid issue. So we found most people coming to us were being misdiagnosed. Why? Well, we started to really look at their logs, you know, and really look at the data and see, wow, 
you know, these people on thyroid medication, number one, when people have true thyroid issues, typically what you'll see is no matter, they'll wake up with a baseline temp and pulse that's low. And no matter what they eat during the day, what they do, no matter how long they've been doing the work, it does not shift. It's yeah. always very, very, very similar. There's no instability. There's no up and downs. It's just like super linear. And we weren't seeing that, right? I think in honestly 20 years, I've maybe worked with three people that I've seen that. And they're on medication. So we should see that energy spike and all this coming in and the medications weren't working for them. And then when we started looking at their labs and correlating, we started to see all these kind of like, you know, wow, there's, there's a lot of stress in the system. There's blocking factors affecting thyroid hormone conversion. There's mineral deficiencies. There's, there's all these things that are affecting the thyroid's producing it. It's just not getting converted. And that's what really along, like along the way influenced us to create our method, which we call the RTN method, restoration thyroid nutrition method. Um, that gr has grown, obviously it's the same and it's grown, but how we explain it has actually even got more complex, you know, with, cause a lot of people say sugar is important to produce thyroid hormones that can get used in the cell. That's not really how it works. I mean, it is a piece of it, but it's not it, right? Because as you know, the only way you can produce energy at the cell is if there's oxygen available and it can be used. Mm -hmm. There can be oxygen, but it doesn't have to be used, right? That's when we produce energy. That's that, that uh, Warburg effect, right? That he talks about. So, and the only thing that's gonna allow us to activate oxygen is, we've talked about this, is copper. But what allows us to produce copper? It's thyroid hormone, <laughs> right? So thyroid hormone T3, is an oxygen sensor, right? As Morley talks about. And what it does is it starts up further, actually. There's a protein called the TTR protein, transurethrin protein that travels through the blood and cerebral spinal fluid that carries T4 and vitamin A together to the liver. Just for shits and giggles? No, this is important because in the liver, that's where you convert 90% of your thyroid hormone. And that vitamin A along with T3 allows you to produce bioavailable copper so you can load it in those proteins and oxygenate your cell. That's the importance of T3, right? Mm -hmm. That's the importance of what it does in the cell. You can have all the sugar in the world, but if you're not, right, regulating that piece of it, it's not going to do anything, right? And I think I just want to kind of highlight that, that message that Josh is stating as far as the sugar component, because in this world of pro-metabolic eating, that's a big piece that we're seeing these days is, oh, I'm pro-metabolic eating, so I'm just going to eat all the sugar, right? Where it couldn't be further from the truth. And there's so many different variables and sugar is just a very small piece of that conversation. The carbs are important. They're important. But I do, we just, we feel that some people just overdo it and they forget about the protein. It's for us, it's, Carbs, proteins, and fats are important. It's a ratio between them based on the person in front of us that it's going to allow them to produce energy, stability, and balance, right? Right. And I think a lot of people get maybe a little excited to hear that they can start having sugar again yeah. coming from... Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And... We, we, we did that, you know, when we, when we found... Well, I was introduced to Ray in like, I don't know, it was like early 2000s, like 2002... And then it kind of, he came back into my life, like right when I met her 
and we were like sugar you know it was like <laughs> you know we went nuts this was like what 2010 12 12 2012 it was it's all a blur now. yeah <laughs> you know we were doing the sugar the ice creams all that and we learned through personal experience that doesn't work it didn't work for us logically it doesn't make sense right it's kind of like you know and here now we really really want to emphasize how do we accomplish the most nutrient dense food that's available in the most digestible way per that person based on where they are physiologically right which is going to change through the adaptation period of healing there's a process that we go through but but you know even like why would we think that those foods are going to be nutritionally dense enough to create health, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, we have to really kind of squash that concept of no, it's not, there's there's very specific carbohydrates and the goal is to replenish the system with food first, and, right? And I think a lot of people think, well, if I get the sugar, I produce T3, I produce a yeah. No, because you need retinol, it's a team. And if that retinol is not present and T4 goes to the liver, guess what happens? You get an uptick in cholesterol. Why? Because you're not converting to T3, mm. right? Okay. So yeah. now that's a stress in the system. The liver says, I can't convert. There's increased oxidation. Why? Because you're not converting to bioavailable copper. Mm -hmm. And in, in, in a sense, simplicity of it, if bioavailable copper is low, iron's high. So there's oxidative stress. Your body's going to have an uptick in cholesterol, right? Yeah. Um, so it's not just the sugar. And the problem is, of course, if we're eating these foods or we're not getting enough retinol or we're eating a lot of things that deplete retinol, which is very easy, it doesn't matter how much ice cream you eat, you're never going to regulate yourself. And I know a lot of people say, well, look at my pulse, look at my temp. It's perfect. That's awesome. But we're trying to focus on stability and long-term health versus just one reading. We look at patterns, right? I don't, I honestly don't want to see someone come in with a 96 temperature and in one week have 98 degrees. Cause then I know all they're doing is just throwing gasoline on the fire and they're constantly throwing gasoline on the fire, right? Or lighter fluid. But if we take that away, it's going to go out automatically versus taking our time to nurture the fire, throw logs in the fire over time, less frequently. And then we create more stability in the system, right? So if we miss a meal or two meals or the stress, we, our temperature and pulse are not going to plummet versus if we do it the other way. So we're yeah. just trying to create more long-term health and stability versus short-term gratification, right? Which is what? The dopamine response is a sympathetic response. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because then otherwise it just becomes another diet. And right. I, I don't want people viewing this pro-metabolic. Sometimes I hate that term, to be honest. Oh, we hate it. Me too. <laughs> I hate, it. hate so it. I'm just like, uh, this is just eating. We're just supporting our metabolisms. And I get yeah. it's just a, a thing um, and it's catchy and it's trendy, um, but I don't even like to use it in my practice. But I get that this is what, I know what people were referring to when they say pro-metabolic or PM. Yeah. Um, so you're mentioning two nutrients that I never grew up eating personally. I mean, I don't know, Gene, if you can attest to this, but I never grew up eating like liver or, um, I mean, I grew up eating eggs. Um, never knew about cod liver oil until like two years ago. Um, what else? Dairy. I mean, yeah, and but it wasn't fish. the best dairy <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and fish. Um, I didn't really eat fish growing up. So, and copper, uh, I wasn't eating copper rich foods either. So I told you, Josh, just like last week, I went to try to go to donate blood and my hemoglobin was really low. And I'm like expecting 
like I, I really just started eating this way, like maybe within a, a year. So I'm expecting to be able to just go from where I was, which was really depleted to just, you know, being on top of the world and being able to go donate blood and do all those things. So can we talk about the foods that you guys recommend and how they work together as a team, like just a and copper and how supplementing with these, with these, um, isn't the exact same as consuming them in food form. Right. Well, I first want to say that I think, you know, we're, we're getting this whole new understanding of this piece that Morley's bringing to the table, right? As far as the understanding of retinol, copper, bioavailable copper, oxygen, T3, the whole relationship. But I want to say that in our practice, we have, that we've indirectly been applying this because of the foods we've always been recommending. It's always been oysters and shellfish and liver and white fish and, white and, fish and fish. really nutrient dense substances that are very easily digestible. Right? But that's a great point because, uh, and I say this to clients all the time, how do I know if I'm getting enough right now? How do I, right? Exactly. How do I know if I'm getting enough magnesium and all this stuff? And initially we just want people to create a foundation. Because if you're getting a variety of fruits and roots and squashes, right, a lot of these do contain copper and potassium and magnesium, right? you got to start somewhere. You can't go to graduate school and PhD without going to elementary school, middle school, and high school, right, in college. You have to follow those steps. And that's why we do food first. You get a variety of meats, fatty fish, white shellfish, and muscle meats. You're going to get a variety of fat-soluble vitamins, right? Mm-hmm. Fat, as Morley says, is from animal tissue, vitamin A, D, E, K. You're going to get a variety in, in dairy as well. You're going to get a lot of your minerals, right? Nutrient-dense packed foods, your organ meats, your, your you know, shellfish, fatty fish. You're going to get fat-soluble vitamins and minerals from some of these. So if you get a variety, you don't have to stress about it. It's that simple. You know, for us, it's like, here's our philosophy. It's easy. Just eat food. Let's personalize it. But underneath the surface, yeah, we can talk technical all day. It's like Morley's approach. Just follow this protocol. Drink drink the adrenal cocktail. Mm-hmm. Take the vitamin E. But then you go below it and the guy just blows your head off. You know, it's, it's yeah. crazy how deep it is. But that's like our approach. It's just simple. If we eat a variety of metabolic digestible foods, we're going to heal over time. But this just comes back to understanding where you came from. A lot of people compare themselves to people on social media. They think just because they see someone, they're perfect. People think we eat like these luxurious metabolic meals, you know, and you have to understand that nothing's perfect. No one's perfect. And you have to remind yourself where you came from and say, okay, I'm going to give myself the next five, you know, it's been 20 years of living like this. How long do you think it's going to take to heal? Right. But who cares? Just put one foot in front of the other. Right that you can embrace that it, it's less anxiety provoking because you're staying present than focusing on when am I going to get there? When can I go to donate blood, all this stuff, which can't be done for a while. Yeah, that's so true. That's a really um, good reminder. Um, talking about retinol. Uh, when I mentioned vitamin A, I have to be sure to say retinol. Can you guys break down the difference between that and beta carotene? Well, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your retinol is going to come more from your animal proteins, yeah. right? 
and your phytocarotene is going to be primarily from your plant. It's going to be plant-based. Like orange foods, like pumpkin squash and carrots. Right. And mm -hmm. the issue with that is because most people are in a hypometabolic state, they're not able to make that conversion to retinol, from beta-carotene to retinol, where again, we can uptake that much easier in the foods coming from animal sources where we're gonna get that direct retinol and be able to utilize it. Yeah, which is poor converted is of beta yeah. carotene. And you actually need thyroid hormone to make that conversion, right. right? So it's like, it's almost like when people say you use fat for energy, you can, but it's very inefficient and it's very short term. It's not really how the body was designed. Yes, it's a, an emergency source, but the primary source in the cell of course, depending on who you talk to, you could say it's oxygen or thyroid hormone or glucose, right? Or copper. But um, we're much better converters of retinol. Why? Well, retinol plays a huge role in the body, a huge role from synthesizing, you know, TSH, regulating thyroid hormone receptors, you know, regulating thyroid hormone conversion, converting copper into ceruloplasma, which is bioavailable copper, which regulates iron regulation. The list Converting goes all in the steroidal hormones. I mean, yeah. there's so many factors. <laughs> the list goes on. And then you talk about what that ceruloplasmin does in our body. There, like we could just go on forever how it how it regulates the 50 hormones that you, you know, produce, how it regulates P450 enzyme in the in the liver, how it regulates copper metabolism, iron metabolism, oxygen in the cell. The list keeps going on and on and on. And this can be confusing, but we'll, we'll simplify this for you right now. In your body, right, like Jeannie said, you come into this world as a cell and you actually start replicating, right? I forget the name of the process. And you could become a conglomeration of cells, right? You are a conglomeration of 50 trillion cells. Some say it's even more than that. Your cells regulate all your systems, right? So like your liver is a conglomeration of cells. If those cells are not working properly, the system's not gonna work properly or work properly with its other relationships. So your cells have really two decisions to make based on the environment and how you support them. One, are you going to be able to use oxygen to produce energy? When you produce energy, you produce tons of antioxidants, superoxide dismutase, blah, 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 right? You're creating this very, very supportive environment. Antioxidant means supporting the use of oxygen at the cell level. So you get this feedback loop going, right? And you start to decompensate and reduce inflammation. In easier terms, you're putting money in the bank. And that feels good when you deposit a lot of money in the bank, especially when you're in debt. The other decision is, I'm going to produce inflammation or exhaust, as Morley calls it, right? When you produce exhaust, you're not using oxygen. When you produce exhaust, you're producing prooxidants, right? There's excess iron that goes up. You're producing hepcidin and all these things that create inflammation, interleukin-1, interleukin-6, blah, 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 right? That's not where you want to be. Why? Because now you're creating this hypoxic pro-inflammatory environment and you're withdrawing money from the bank constantly. That doesn't feel good, right? When you're withdrawing more money than you actually have. That's really what it comes down to. So it comes down to how do we live, not just eat, how do we live and eat in a way that meets our single person metabolic needs to support the cell to produce energy so we can pay off our debt? That's mm -hmm. the simplicity of it. That's what so, we're doing. So 
just so we can paint the picture for everyone. So we need, we have oxygen and we need thyroid hormone to be able to use that oxygen inside of the cell to create energy. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? We need oxygen, thyroid hormone, glycogen, minerals. We need all of these things in the right doses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just yeah. with this system, yes, it comes down to that that yes. that oxygen piece. You know, and depending on where you want to start in that cycle, you know, the the starting pieces when you look at like copper's involvement with TRH, thyroid stimulating hormone, and the hypothalamus, that's those receptors or enzymes are activated by copper. So it starts this process and we start producing T4 in vitamin A or we, we get vitamin A from a diet that's carried with the TTR protein through the blood and the, and the cerebral spinal fluid. It goes to the liver, right? We convert thyroid hormone. We produce ceruloplasm because a lot of people think it's just about eating foods with copper. It's not, right? Why? Because the powerhouse and the pumping warehouse to produce ceruloplasm is the liver, right? Morley's talked about this. There's proteins, right? In this Golgi apparatus that get loaded and they produce ceruloplasmin. So it's uh, the analogy I use with clients is we're not going to use desiccated liver in step one. Why? Because that's the analogy of like, you just homebrewed all this beer and you go downstairs to the, the system you have to load all these bottles in the conveyor belt and the conveyor belt doesn't work. It's useless. You got to fix the conveyor belt, right? Before you can start using that type of stuff. And that's why we focus on food first, right? Because we need to bring in the retinol, but we need to stop the things that are depleting retinol as well. We need to use the foods that support thyroid hormone, support the cell, create the environment. We have to quiet the system, quiet the chaos, because this is again a state that most people are living in. So when we're using the food, it allows us to create more regulation physiologically. And now, we're able to access these foods, what they're meant to do, right. their conversions, how they work together in the system as a whole. And that's right? a very important point. And this is why we go super slow with clients. And a lot of people are like, wow, like, how do you do that? You know, and the reason is, well, number one, people are more chaotic and stressed than ever, especially now, right? So we don't want to meet stress with more stress. We need to go slow so they can handle it. That's the emotional piece of it. Um, and when they do little things and they become compliant, it's empowering. That's important because emotional, physiological, yeah, yeah. biological, all levels of it. It has to go slow because the body's already going hundred miles an hour. We want them to feel, we want them to create awareness. That's the whole base of our approach. We want to bring people back in their bodies so they can feel what they're doing and say, like I had a client email me this morning. She's like, you know, she, I forget exactly what she said. I'm like, you're creating awareness now. You're seeing that this a ABC thing was a stress and you made adaptations to handle it. Not to say it's not a stress, but how do we build our resiliency to it? You know, maybe you took more me time after, maybe you changed your food intake that day. Maybe you decompressed after, did some breath. It's just environment. But the other piece I was getting to is if people are still living in the middle of Vietnam, and they're taking tons of synthetic supplements. You can eat all the metabolic foods you want. You're still in the middle of Vietnam and taking tons of synthetic supplements that deplete tons of minerals, copper, vitamin A, etc. So, you know, we ha we have to quiet that system down first, which we've always said. Morley says stop. You have to use the stops first. We've said just quieting the noise. 
So we work with people. How do we change your environment? Not like quit your job, get rid of your husband and sell your kids. You know, we want people to understand their life and say, like I said to a client yesterday, she's like, there's no routine. I have two kids. It's crazy. I'm in meetings all day. I said, it's your life. Let's work with it. We can't change it unless you want to leave your, your husband and your kids and quit your job and move to a foreign country, which I don't think you want to do. So let's work with it. So we work with them so we can make small changes in their environment to quiet the noise as we work with them to slowly talk about the 15 supplements are on that are working against them, right? So that's why we don't add supplements first because we want to build a base. We want to quiet the noise and want to get all these things out of the system that are just blocking the system. And really the only place you can heal is in your body, right? So it's really important that we actively continuously pull them back into that space which we're doing very mindfully within the process of when we're working with our clients, just even in the food logs, that's part of their process is stopping, right. pausing, checking in, where am I? And that whole level of reorientation is pulling us back into the nervous system. So, and how that relates to how our adrenals, our thyroid, our digestive system, all those other systems are functioning. It's all part of quieting that noise. Right? And that's important. It's important because a lot of people in this day and age are convinced that a supplement, a red light, you know, a mattress, an EMF protector, and a practitioner or a lab is going to heal them. It's not, right? And how do we know this? Because a lot of these people, they probably come to you too. I spent $20,000 working with other practitioners. I've done every lab under the sun. I've taken every supplement. I have water filtration systems and ABCD, AFG in my house. I'm still sick, right? So we want people to realize that that stuff is great. It's icing on the cake if you need it, because not everyone does. But you've got to build the base first, right? And you've got to sink into your body, because if you don't, then there's an expectation of things are going to heal me. I don't have to really change. I'm just adding more to my plate, which creates more stress. Yeah, they're, they're constantly chasing. Exactly. Chasing something. Um, you guys mentioned supplements and I want to talk about the things that deplete A and D and copper, um, just to name a few. Well, it's common supplements. You know, I, we have always since day one and we used to get a lot of shit for this. We, we would never supplement people. We've always promoted it. We don't like how supplements are used. They're overused. So we've always been... It, because we're very strategic when we work with people, but we've always been, I don't want to use the word anti-supplement, but there's a lot of them that are just, just crap, well, right? There's just not a lot of quality stuff in them. And most of it's synthetic because they're not regulated. Not that we want them regulated, but they're not regulated. Mm -hmm. So you're not really getting what you think you're getting, number one. And we've had the people that we're working with have gone down one path right, after right. another path. Another, they know, come the to us on 20 supplements. Doing the same stuff. And if you want that change, you can't keep doing what you're doing. So that's why we always come back to food as supplementation. And as we begin to regulate the system, well, guess what happens? Digestively, we begin to upregulate. Now we can actually absorb. We can take that in. We can replenish at that level, right? So it's, it's a very, there's a huge opportunity there. And that's why we stared away from it for such a long time. And now we're kind of being a little bit more flexible with it, but 
more at the right times and the right at, at the right phase of one's healing cycle. Right. You know, people come to us on 10, 20, 30, 40 supplements and I'll say, how's it working for you? Right. Yeah, they're great. Well, if they were, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. Yeah. And people don't realize that, but people are so emotionally attached to that stuff. But the problem is when you start taking all these supplements, remember that everything in the body, whether it's a mineral, a vitamin, a hormone, it doesn't matter. It's all about ratio. It's nature. Nature is all about balance. That's what it's all about. And when you start manipulating that balance, you create problems and inflammation, right? Especially with minerals, because the minerals are like what activates your enzymes, what create your vitamins, list goes on. So, you know, a lot of people are taking multivitamins, you know, with a lot of synthetic vitamins in them. Uh, people are taking vitamin D of excessively. We're not pro vitamin D people um, in the sense of, yes, we can get it from food. We can get it from sun. We need it, but ingesting it, meaning from a supplement form, we don't feel like we need. People are pumping fish oil in their system. The list goes on. So when you talk about what's going to kind of affect let's call it thyroid hormone metabolism, retinol and copper conversion. You're talking about things like genetically modified foods, right? Mm -hmm. uh, um, what do you call it? Glyc glyc I never pronounce it right. Glycophosphate, whatever it's called. It chelates copper. Yeah, I, I can never pronounce it right. I don't know why. High fructose corn syrup, what is broken down into chelates copper, mm -hmm. right? Colloidal silver, antibiotics right? They all mm -hmm. affect copper metabolism. Then you start talking about vitamin D3 or D that people are taking. And there's a lot of research to show this. This isn't just like theory and bro science. It depletes renal potassium and liver retinol. You don't want to deplete liver retinol. That's a problem because now what happens? You can't convert it to copper. You create an iron rich environment. You uptick cholesterol. Now you're in a pro-oxidative state right? You talk about synthetic calcium supplements, have this conversation with women all the time. Your bones are 12 minerals, not just calcium. When you take too much calcium or any calcium supplement for that matter, um, that is going to affect the absorption of copper in the body, in the gut, etc. Um, synthetic vitamin A in our dairy products and multivitamins, vitamin A palmitate, same thing. So you, you start to make the connection of, wow, or even Ascorbic acid is in vitamin C, depletes our body of vitamin C. Well, believe it or not, the two fastest ways to regulate what we're talking about here, let's call it oxygen and copper metabolism, is with retinol and vitamin C, right? So ascorbic acid depletes your body of vitamin C. Vitamin C contains an enzyme called tyrosinase, and it stimulates that powerhouse, the liver, to produce ceruloplasm. So it's super important. So everyone's taking ascorbic acid. Everyone's taking vitamin D. Everyone's taking fish oil, you know, that has, or a collar oil that has added synthetic A and D in it. People are taking multivitamins. People are taking iron, which is even worse. And we're just dropping all these important things in our body that we need. And we're creating a pro-inflammatory environment. And just one more important thing. And then you can, I know you want to say something. A lot of people say, well, I, I'm taking these and, and I feel so much better. Well, just remember, feeling better doesn't mean you're better. How many people you've talked to that said, I was great and I have cancer, right? Yeah. Just because you feel better. The absence of a symptom doesn't equate to health. And the reason is, like, if you talk about vitamin D, vitamin D will suppress NF-kappa B, right? Which, which is, you call it inflammation. 
It's almost like if you have a crying child and he's kicking and screaming and you just throw him in the room and lock the door. Did you regulate the problem? You suppressed it, right? That's why some people feel better when they take these things. And, but when they go off, what do they say? Oh, I feel horrible again. It's not fixing the problem. It's actually making things worse, right? Yeah. And you see it on their lab. So we try to as best as we can when people feel emotionally ready. It's not like always the first session because people are attached to their supplements to slowly get them off as many as they are comfortable to get off so they can really get rid of these blocking factors. Yeah. Um, I love, there was a post you guys created, was it this week about copper toxicity? Talking about copper and trying to get more of it. Some people might um, have already worked with a practitioner where they've done a hair pigmental analysis and have discovered that they have copper toxicity. Um, but I would love your thoughts on that and how that might not be the case. Well, as we talked about, the body is an, is an, has an innate adaptive system. It, if we give, what do we say? If we give the body what it needs, nature will do the rest. Mm -hmm. So if we're getting retinol and we're not depleting it, we can convert copper into ceruloplasma, which is bioavailable copper. So in a sense, there's no such thing as a copper toxicity. There's a thing as a retinol deficiency, right? That's what it really is. So it's, it's just coming back to that, that inbound nature's like nature's ratio, right? So now we have this high level of copper that's not able to be converted, which is going to create anything in that, in that level is going to create a toxicity. And that's what's happening is there's other deficiencies that are making it unavailable to us, right. which is creating that overload in the system or in the tissues. So here's another key point. Actually, I want to give an example and I'll get to that key point is it's just like cholesterol. Everyone thinks iron regulates iron, calcium regulates calcium and, and cholesterol regulates cholesterol. It doesn't, it does. It's not how the body works. So when you see cholesterol go up, it's not about lowering cholesterol, right? We don't have the, the things there to regulate the conversion, just like, Copper to ceruloplasm, which is bioavailable copper. So, but here's the issue because a lot of people say, oh, it's, you know, you're being so rude because there are women who suffer and they have an IUD. Yes, I understand that. But the issue is not copper toxicity. Okay, here's the issue. The issue is, and I, I here, I'm a guy, right? But I work with tons of, of women. I mean, I have a lot of clients, 99% of them are women. They've always been women, you know. Um, so it's, it's a tough conversation because I understand some people don't want to get pregnant or they struggle with their hormones and these things help, but our body is not meant to have a foreign object in it. And there's documentaries on this, but when you put that into the body, the body is going to naturally respond and it's an inflammatory response, right? That happens within the system. So that's the first thing. So if you feel you're having issues and you're caught toxic, you got to get it removed. It's that simple. The other thing is the symptoms are not coming from the copper toxicity. What's happening is they're increasing the amount of copper in the system, of course, because they have this in their body. But the problem is, remember, anytime copper, not bioavailable copper is high, that means what? Bioavailable copper is low. That means iron is high. You're producing exhaust. You're producing inflammatory markers. 
interleukin-1, 6, et cetera. You're producing hepcidin. You're producing all this inflammation, but it's all about the iron, not the copper. That's the real issue. But we, we always put on our, our, our micro, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Binoculars. Uh, binoculars and say it's the <laughs> copper that's the problem because I have copper in my system. It's not. That's not the issue. You need to get it out. You need to convert and regulate the iron recycling system so you can recycle the iron and, and maybe over time, if you need to, because not everyone does, help with some chelation of it. But I also want to say that for a lot of women, I mean, yes, pregnancy can be the conversation when we're speaking IUD or other forms of birth control, but oftentimes they're on that because there's so much hormone dysregulation yes, in the first point. place oh, yeah. that they're trying to bypass it. They're trying to suppress that symptom versus work with some of those dysregulations or imbalances that are taking place in the first place. So you add that layer to the conversation or to the issue, and now it's only becoming more and more exacerbated. And a lot of people say, well, is the birth control pill better? Listen, I, like I said, I get it, but it's not, yeah. right? Because those hormones, that estrogen is, is the fastest way to literally blow up ceruloplasma in the body. And this is where a lot of women, be, some begin to start their journey of such copper depletion because I talked to a lady the other day, your daughter's what, 12, <laughs> 13? Yeah. Yeah. sometimes earlier and go on the birth control pill yeah, they're going on well very you early. you she's like what do i do i don't know what to do and i'm like it's up to you i can't make that decision but yes it, it is the beginning piece to start blowing up that ceruloplasm and like we said if you blow that up there's no bioavailable oxygen at the cell level so now let's say you're on the pill for what 10 years eight years you're hypoxic you're creating this hypoxic environment you're creating an inflammatory environment you know um so a lot of women say yeah i was like 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 that's when all my symptoms started yeah it often happens at puberty was the onset of a lot of those symptoms yeah. obviously because there's such a shift but i do want to say that we're seeing this much earlier these yeah. days right yeah and um I, I i mean i think these these children are coming in in a very preset state where their their biology their their physiology is just completely yeah turned upside down Oh yeah. And I feel like, um, the food that they're exposed to is quite different than maybe what you grew up on Josh and their parents. So it's, um, it's a whole cast. I think it's food, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's nervous system. It's environment. System. Think yeah. about it. Like when I was growing up, um, there was a time I remember that my mother stayed home from work or, um, I would go to school and go to work with her, go to work with my dad and we'd sit down and have dinner and we had one TV in the house. And after dinner it was like every night, me and my dad would go outside and play football or hockey or at a young age, you know what I mean? That's how I grew up. Or we'd be outside on our big wheels with the neighbors playing gas station at the mailboxes. That's what we did. You don't see that anymore, right? Parents are working more than ever. They don't sit down with their kids to eat anything. Everything's on the go in the rush. You know, they're always on their phone. They're playing video games. Everyone's super afraid to let their kids play outside because they're going to get kidnapped or God knows what's going to happen. And then you, you put COVID on, it is just out of control. So now we take these children that should be in these balanced, this balanced, you know, parasympathetic state, right? The social engagement state. And we're pushing them into, it could be sympathetic or even dorsal vagal, this frozen, you know, kind of apathetic state 
And that's why we're seeing, you know, we, we've always worked with like 30, 40, 50, 60 year olds, but now we're working with so many 20 year olds. So many. Yeah. It's crazy how many we're working with. They're coming in so young and it is, it's scary. And I was telling um, somebody the other day, like, I don't even think we've seen the beginning no. of what's going to happen here in, in the kind of after effects of this pandemic. And even I think it was, from, I think it's icing on the cake. I don't think it's just a pandemic. I, I think it's like the, 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 like, well, pre, yeah, we were coming, we were coming there and this is just yeah. going to totally shift gears. But I was also thinking about it from a, um, infant standpoint josh was just talking about that social engagement center or, or, or you know process or this is it and we've covered that up so we have all of these children all of these infants whose nervous systems are developing and they're no longer seeing facial expressions wow so right? social engagement not... is the parasympathetic state yes. and it's the ventral vagal it connects the kind of we're simplifying it the facial muscles to the heart right so it's when we're self-compassionate self-understanding self-reliant, yeah. self-acceptance, but also the same thing to other people, right? You have compassion for others, understanding for others. You know, we can, we're, we're comfortable and we can be, you know, we can converse and we're comfortable around people. We don't isolate, right? Mm -hmm. That's the parasympathetic nervous system, right? But then, and this is why, you know, there's that, what was that documentary about technology that everyone was watching? Social uh, dilemma. Uh, yes. Yeah. So they were talking about how this, I forget generation, it's the, you know, the 20 year olds. Yeah. Generation, whatever. That's Gen X. What, that something, I think it's Gen X. <laughs> okay. That's when yeah. all the technology was introduced, mm -hmm. right? And you're seeing that because, you know, think about it. We, we would go with our friends to the mall and walk around and hang yeah. out. And, you know, everyone just talks on their phone, but they don't even talk, they text, and then they use emojis. There's zero social engagement. <laughs> and then you put the pandemic on top of it. People are in a paralyzed dorsal vagal state, right? They can't make decisions, right? They talked about this in Social Dilemma. You know, it's the first time in history where the amount of children that are so indecisive and they don't even get their license is up by like 50%. When I could get my license, I was like first in line, right? Yeah. So we're seeing this generation that's just so apathetic. And it's getting worse, but it's because we're not nurturing the nervous system. Going back to, it's not just about the food. It starts in the home, right? And things are just faster than ever. And we're not slowing down and saying, let's eat dinner together. Let's have some family time together. Not in front of the TV, not in front of our phones. Let's go play outside. You know, we play outside all the time. And sometimes we look around and I'm like, where is everyone? <laughs> You know, we always play with Harrison and, and it's so important because believe it or not, children are born with only a dorsal vagal nervous system, just like a reptile. And it's our responsibility to create an environment to help that develop in an efficient way. Unfortunately, as a society, it's not happening and we can see it if we just look around or watch the news. Wow. You guys just blew my mind. That is, I mean, it, it seems so simple and mm -hmm. it's like common sense, but having that understanding, I feel like will hopefully um, encourage people, parents to, to get outside and play with their kids and really um, make that a routine and not this, uh, this social media. I haven't actually seen the social dilemma, but I just heard everyone talking about it. Maybe I need to watch it. 
it's, uh, pretty it's pretty good. You know, it's funny. We were reading this book in the beginning when we had Harris and our son, and there was like a time where, like, he loved being with me, but we had this like weird thing going on. He just like, I hate you. I love you. Like, get away yeah. from me near me. It was like, and of course, it's me very, being two very different personality types, like polar opposites. So for me, it was, you know, just being an adult, but, you know, we're all children at heart. It, like, I was taking it personally. I was like, oh my God, this is my son. Like, I don't want him to hate me, you know? So we started reading, Jeannie's like, you need to read some of these books. It'll help you kind of, and it was just this one piece in this book that talked about like adults and how, ch- I might not explain it perfectly, you probably talk about it better, but like, kids just want to play and explore and have fun and and um i forget the exact words but like as an adult you are the largest human toy that they ever going come in contact with right and we can show you know emotion when they do something bad right and you get upset and you and you're and you're loud and you're vibrant when they do something good or want to play we're not at that same level so it's almost like we have to flip-flop it when something bad happens you know, like some, he did something at school yesterday. I'm like, what are you telling me to do? Like, I'm not going to be upset with you. I just want to talk it through with you so you can learn, you know? And then- Do you want to role play this? Yeah. <laughs> Boof, dad. <No. laughs> um, but then I started to, when I played with him, just really coming down to his level and, and playing with him, you know? And it really helped a ton. And I just think as parents, you know, with our generation, I'm not saying like, yes, the school shootings, this is all because of that. But these kids nowadays are struggling. And with the pandemic, they're struggling even more. I just talked to a mother, her daughter has ulcerative colitis. And we're having this big conversation about food. I'm like, when did it start? She's like, oh my God. She's like, it started like, like right in the pandemic. And she started to connect all these dots. I'm like, does your daughter have a lot of anxiety? She's like, she has tons of anxiety. She never had anxiety before the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. So we're seeing all these kids are just not being nor- nurtured. We're not supporting them. We're not creating an environment. Well, mom and dad su- are becoming much more stressed. Mom and dad are stressed. They're working it's more. It's just cycle. But, you know, I'm not saying we're the perfect parents in the world. But I just mm-hmm. think as a whole, if we can do that, we can change the nervous system and we can bring them back into a more balanced you know resilient state but it does begin with us it does 100 it begins with us and our own level of awareness right so we have mm-hmm. to start to look at what are we doing and how fast are we going and what's just one little area that we can maybe slow down right or just be aware or more mindful of the rate and pace we're, we're moving and just consciously walk a little bit slower talk a little bit slower right? Maybe not put so much on the schedule of doing things, just kind of be a little more present in any way that we possibly can, because to go from there to here is asking, you know, this it's impossible. We have to take little bite-sized pieces to get there over time. But um, yeah, I know that was kind of maybe a little off topic, but I think a real big piece of the topic, right? No, it's huge. When we go to like um, the, the beginning part of this conversation, you guys were saying, well, like how, you know, I see so many clients too, who are like, I've been eating this way for like six months and, you know, yada, 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 or even a year. And they're, they're just discouraged, but it's like, how did you get here? So then we have to um, peel apart all these, these layers. To... It's just helping them change their environment. 
You know what I mean? If you, it's like when people say, I tried thyroid medication, it didn't work. Well, it didn't work because you didn't change anything, right? This environment got you sick. So you went on thyroid medication, but you're still living in the same environment. How can it work, right? You can use that analogy with metabolic eating or any diet, right? Yeah. I've been doing this, but all I've done is changed how I eat. Yeah. Right? Exactly. The story is still the same. And we're not saying we're trying to be like emotional counselors and talk to you about your trauma when you were five years old. Right. We're trying to get people more aware and help them make small changes presently what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the time they work out, whether it's, you know, like my client the other day, she's like, I have meetings all day and I'll go, 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 go. I'm like, well, you could do that and, and still be in the same position and, and, and think you're going to heal by just eating food or what the real thing is, let's stop strangling the food. Let's talk about how you can create a better day that's going to support you, right? Can't quit your job, but how do we work with it? Yeah. That I guarantee you, you're going to see just dramatic, dramatic shifts because she's been doing this on her own for five years and hasn't gotten anywhere. Why? Because all she's done is strangle her food. She hasn't Mm -hmm. changed her environment. Wow. So important. Um, you guys, uh, we've, we've talked about thyroid medication. Do you think that could be beneficial for anyone? I mean, if they are like making the necessary like lifestyle changes. Yeah. We see a lot of people that, you know, need it at specific times. I mean, some people we have coming in with, you know, TSH levels of 50, you know, or even higher than that. I've seen, I have a client with 150. Yeah. So there are moments where it is, (laughs) it is necessary to help bring the body back into a little bit more balance. We just don't want it happening or we encourage people to look more deeply into the foundation so that when you're taking the thyroid medication, you have something to work from right? That there's something that's creating more regulation. We're actually building up so that over time you can be on lower doses. Maybe some people will come off of it or you'll know much more and be more aware of where, when, when and where it needs to be modified or your dosage has changed, right? We're so, not, we're not doctors. Though. We, don't, yeah, we don't ever, you know, we don't ever prescribe thyroid medication. There's a lot of practitioners that do like T3 and stuff. We don't do that. Um, Number one, most people come to us on thyroid medication. So it's our, our job to help them create a scenario where they still need it. Maybe they've been on it too long and they've shut their thyroid down, which is very easy to do. People don't realize that, especially with T3, right? If anyone takes T3 for fun and you take it for more than like two or three weeks at a time and you don't take off two or three weeks and you don't cycle it, you can easily shut your thyroid down, right? Wow. It's just like taking testosterone. Okay. So like too much P3 without, um, I guess the right cofactors or like, how would, how would T3 too much? It's just taking where you don't need it. It'd be like taking testosterone. You're going to shut that feedback loop down. Got it. Right. It's the same thing. So some people are put on it and they don't need it. They've been on 30 years. Right. Um, our goal with working with everyone is help them create a foundation. If they need it, they need it. But there's three scenarios that come out of it. They heal, they feel amazing, and they still need it. That's it, right? That's a win situation for us, right? Number two, they feel so much better, but they're able to work with their doctor to come on a lower dose, Mm -hmm. maybe 150 micrograms to 100, or 100 micrograms to 50, which happens a lot, right? Or they feel better and they can work with their doctor to titrate off. It's not our decision. We educate clients, but, you know, there are people 
um, who do need it from literally probably being on their medication too long, you know, or they um, maybe have a tumor or pituitary tumor, or maybe they, um, the list goes on. Sometimes like people do need it, you know? Yeah. It's just like any hormone, you know, if you're producing it, you don't really need it, but if you're not producing it, you probably need it in the sense of like, you can't produce it, you know, like people are so anti TRT, like testosterone replacement therapy. Well, if you talk to a guy that has a testosterone of like a hundred or 50, right. And they're in type one hypogonadism, which means the signal's coming out, but the testes don't respond because they're never going to respond. Right. And you talk to that person, they're going to feel like hell. They're not producing it. They're never going to produce it. And it's going to help that person. And that's important versus the other, the other side of, you know, hypogonadism was where the signals are coming out. That's why they're not producing it, you know? Yeah. So it's just regulating that stress response. They don't need TRT. Same thing with our medication. It's like, it depends on who we're talking about, but yeah, there are mm. people that really do need it. Yeah. So just case by case. Yeah. Um, Okay, so just to kind of wrap things up, when we talk about metabolically supportive foods, are these foods that are good for everyone? Is there like a one size fits all? Like, yes, this list of foods will work for you and your body. A good majority of them, yes, are whole foods. So we we talk a lot about roots and fruits and proteins and healthy fats. Um, we also talk a lot about dairy, right? So no, dairy is not every, for a one size fits all for everybody, right? I hear a lot of people coming into this world of, of this conversation and I, I added dairy back into my diet. Well, maybe that wasn't the best choice for you, right? But as far as whole foods and, you know, again, just more of these roots and fruits and proteins, absolutely. I think that- It's, uh, it's strategy, it, but it's strategy. It's looking at the person in front of you. Did you come from keto? Okay, we got to go slow with the carbs. You might be at 10% when you start, you know, 10% carbs. Yes, your protein and fat might be higher, but that's where that person needs to start, right? Like I worked with someone who came strict carnivore and she was eating a piece of fruit or a piece of root with every meal. When I say piece, I don't mean like a potato or an apple. I mean like one chunk, like one a piece quarter, of an one, apple, one one. you know, um, or yeah. one grape. And we worked her up and now she's amazing and she's feeling great, you know, but it took us six to eight months, you know, wow. um, it's, and it's, it's very strategic. It's about finding what foods work for that person and when, and to really support them because, we, and we have to do that, right? Because just because a food's metabolic doesn't mean it's going to work for you. We work from a baseline. So when we're, when we're talking to people, it's where are we coming from, like Josh is saying. And then from there, we have to slowly adapt the body back to this place of, of balance and being able to break down and absorb these foods because they've taught their body not to for so long. And then the whole other conversation goes into, well, you're eating metabolic foods, but how, how is that meal sustaining you? Well, right because <laughs> for some people having a protein and fruit does nothing for them right. how do we make it work for them you know or you know because you don't want everyone eating every two hours there's some people that do strategically need that in the morning but you don't want people eating every two hours it's a little bit obsessive you know like i said there's some people strategically we do do that in the morning they need it but you want to be able to put enough wood in the fire to last you that two to three four hour mark easily 
but it's all person specific, right? Because it depends on where they're at, what their patterns look like in their food logs, you know, where they need a little more support or less. But, you know, if you're having cottage cheese and fruit for a meal, that's not going to last for three hours. And a lot of people do that in this world. We look at their logs or having all these like and snacks. And they don't do it on a repeat. Yeah. The whole day. So this is now we're getting a bunch. We're just throwing lighter fluid on the fire meal after meal after meal. And they're getting these huge energy fluctuations. This is the awareness. Yeah. It's looking at what you're eating and saying, it's metabolic, but is it working for me right now? Right? Is it really, should I have it for breakfast? I love it. Okay. But I can't do that and then go three hours. It's not lasting. Right. So it's being aware of not only is it metabolic, but you know, what's working for me to create the best frequency to fuel my body's physiology to create stability. And that's the strategy that we do with people. Yeah. I love that so much. I love your guys' approach to everything, just the whole nervous system and that everyone is, is still so different, even though we all are all human. Um, so you guys kind of answered this at the beginning, but I just want to circle back to it. As far as um, what makes you human, what would be your answers for, for you guys separately? Gosh, what makes you human? <laughs> that you're not perfect. <laughs> that there's nothing, there's no such thing as perfection, right? That we all have a story. We all have, and then that story is our uniqueness. Right. And that's what we want to come back into is what makes me unique, what makes me thrive, what makes me happy, what makes me feel good. Right. And I think that that's something that we so have overlooked. We've, we've become so distant from ourselves. And part of that being human is all of those things that we are very different. And we need to begin to be able to embrace that and love that uniqueness of ourselves versus judge it. Right. And shame it and hate it and get angry at it and frustrated at it. Although we're going to feel all those things and that is okay too. Right. We need to. Um, but that's, that would sum it up for me. I love that. I would say to like experience vulnerability. Yeah. Right. Cause that's what healing really is. That's what humans all about. It's making change and sinking into that and going through it. It's not rainbows and sprinkles, right. But going through it and feeling that, that vulnerability, because that's where the lessons are. Yeah. Right. That's where you have all your lessons mm -hmm. and just being vulnerable with just being okay with who you are, you know, and stop, you know, like being vulnerable on social media. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just be yourself. You know, it's, it's social media. Like who cares what anyone says? You're, you know, your intent, you know who you are. That's what it's all about. And when it comes to healing, the only way you're going to create change is to change. And the only way you're going to change is to get vulnerable because you're going to say what I'm doing isn't working and I need to do something different. It's scary. hundred percent. We, both of us have been through it. I was through it six years ago with a health scare. I've been through it my whole life. She's been through it her whole <laughs> life. <laughs> you know, so it's, I think that's a tough piece when it comes to healing. It's probably why we work with more women than men because they're more willing to do that. You know, I've always said the only way really men want to, you know, will come in and if it's like if their their dicky doesn't work or their right hand <laughs> their right their right hand is broken. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um unless they actually really, really need help, they'll they'll yeah. kind of push it to like the last thing on the list. But those were beautiful answers. Thank you guys so much. Um so just to wrap everything up, where can everyone find you guys? 
find us at east our, yeah our website is eastwesthealing.com and we have a lot our website is actually being redone right now but you know we will have a lot there's going to be two free new resources you can still go to our website right now yeah. um there's a free resource but our new website will have two you can find our social media there we offer free consult for anyone and everyone it's not a sell it's just to learn more about you and answer questions and then you can find us on instagram um at real food gangsters That's i love it <laughs> Yeah, definitely follow Jeannie and Josh. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Until next time, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Experience Podcast. I always appreciate your love via Instagram DM. So feel free to take a screenshot if you're listening and be sure to tag me on Instagram. And of course, if you feel called to, I would love, love, love to see you leave a five-star rating and review so that others can hear my voice too. Until next time. I wanted to take a brief moment to chat about the relaunch of The Nourished Method, which is my very own signature course that is 12 weeks long and it's going to look a little bit different this time around. So if you were with me last year, I launched The Nourished Method for the first time ever. Thanks so much to the women who joined and gave me incredible feedback for this round so that things can be new and improved. Things are going to look a little bit different. No weekly calls. Um, I feel like a lot of the women got a lot of the answers that they needed from the course and just communicating with me via messenger and the Facebook community. So that's exactly what we're going to do this time around. We're going to have a private Facebook community where all your questions and concerns are going to be answered. I'll be in there every single day. So it's really no different. Um, the course will be dropped all at once. All 12 weeks of modules will be dropped all at once. You'll have the knowledge, wisdom, and tools that I have literally in this course. Um, you'll get trackers, um, meal plans, uh, supplement guides, um, grocery guides, literally so many things, checklists, like the whole nine yards guys. I'm not going to leave you out in the dark. I want you to succeed. I'm also teaming up, teaming up with some really awesome women in the field when it comes to movement and meal plans. So you'll get set up with that. You'll get the whole works. Um, I'm really excited for this round, you guys. And the early bird special starting on February the 4th is $297 paying full. There's also a payment plan option for that, and the price will go up at the end of the week of the 4th um, to $4.97, so be sure to sign up early and let me know if you have any questions on Instagram.